You're listening to DA Health Connect, where we connect you with Black health news. We talk racism, health disparities, and everything else dealing with public health. Now, here's your host, Dr. Desiree Jonas and Artavia Ingram. So, hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of DA Health Connect, where we bring real public health issues to light that are happening in our African-American community. So, you know, our goal is to take these articles and use them and have candid conversations that we're starting to have among our family and friends. So today we're going to be talking about an article um, called The Trends and Adverse Childhood Experiences, ACEs, in the United States. So I'm going to turn it over to Desiree, Dr. Des, let the people know, give them an overview. Hey girl. Hey girl. What's up? What's up? Um, so yeah, we talking about ACEs today. And if you don't know what ACEs are, ACEs are adverse childhood experiences. Basically, they're those negative things, those bad things that you went through in your childhood. And pretty much now people have related them back to overall negative health outcomes. So like increased rates of heart disease, obesity, mental health issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now these ACEs, these things, they could be things like having a parent that dies or having um, a parent that's on drugs or living with someone that's on drugs, experiencing child abuse, um, witnessing your um, w- witnessing domestic violence. It could be things like being bullied in school. There are so many things and there's not a, I would say they have a quiz that you can take to determine your ACE score. However, it's not, it does not encompass all the ACEs in the world. There are so many adverse experiences that people face. And I think that, you know, it's just a matter of taking a look at all that and and thinking about how it correlates to your overall health. So not only with the things I just said, but thinking about um, your your parental incarceration. So a parent going to jail. So thinking about that, thinking about poverty, that's considered an adverse childhood experience. Um, Experiences of racism. Now, well, you know what we got going on in this world today. So definitely experiences of racism can constitute as an adverse childhood experience, not having enough food, um, living in an unsafe environment. There are so many different things. So me and uh, Miss Tay, we actually took the ACE quiz. <laughs> um, so the quiz was 10 questions and you literally can Google it and find it anywhere. Um, and it asks a lot of those questions, a lot of th- those things I mentioned, it asks you questions about those things and did you experience them when you were um, under the age of 18 so what did you, think you want to tell it? the people what you scored <laughs> I scored a one I scored, I scored a one too so yeah. we didn't really score that high yeah. however like I said that quiz only asked 10 questions it didn't account for everything and I think that that's something that has to be explored further you mm-hmm. know when we think about like what I said with bullying experiencing racism mm-hmm. all of those things lead to no- negative health outcomes right. as well so I think that um yeah so when we took that you know one of the things that they say is that if you have a score of four or more, then you are really, really, really at risk for having bad out, um, bad health outcomes. Mm-hmm. And when I say bad health outcomes, things like poverty, things are not poverty, but things like obesity, things like um, heart disease, um, a lot of other physical health problems, depression, it, it happens and is there. But this article, it really talked about where we are now with ACEs and then kind of 
where we have been. So they've noticed a um, one of the things the article said was that they did notice a um, decrease in certain things like parental illness, sibling death. Um, they noticed a decrease in um, childhood poverty. And now they didn't categorize this by race. I feel like if they categorized it by race, then we would probably see a little something different, of course. Um, but this is just taking a big picture look. They um, noticed... They noticed um, that the things that did increase um, were parental alcohol and drug abuse. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things that they were like, yeah, um, they seen that increase a lot more over the years where they seen the other others decrease. But like I said, they didn't account for race. So I think that that's a big thing to think about when we're taking these articles into consideration and they're not um, breaking things out by race or even by age or by generation. I feel like that all plays a part in it. So, Miss Tay, what were your initial thoughts about this article and just about ACEs in general? So, initially, when I started reading it, um, of course, I've read about ACEs beforehand, but reading this article kind of made me start to dig a little more and I kind of fell into a rabbit hole just trying mm-hmm. to figure out and just ask questions that I came up to myself like, one of the questions I was saying, like, why aren't doctors training routine screenings or treatment if these, um, if they know that people have these different exposures? Um, why is it being taught, this information being taught? And I also read that, you know, this is a very controversial um, topic that a lot of scientists either are against or for. And, you know, I think that's probably a lot of reasoning why they haven't incorporated it into like the medical fields and stuff like that. But honestly, half of the science that I read behind it, it was proven fact. So I didn't understand like, you know, why aren't doctors getting trained? That's something that I still want to look into a little bit more. Um, As far as just going back to the test that that we took, it was definitely the questions. I wonder if I would have answered something differently, would it have dig into something deeper? Um, because I felt like it asked me about abuse. And then when I said no, it asked me something else about abuse. And then mm-hmm. it asked me something else about abuse. So I wonder if I said yes to one of them or two or more of them, would it had altered um the different or different questions would have been given to me if I would have answered yes on me yeah yes on more of the um questions um but I did read also that that number ones that people that get number ones is definitely common I think 67 percent of the population has at least one ace um Mm -hmm. when given that test and so um you have about 12.6 percent have either four or more aces so that leaves the question we have a lot of work to do as far as um when people are thinking about those different exposures that they've been into or and when we think about exposures and the adverse childhood experiences those experiences make up who you are so you may not be able to change them but you can modify them to promote better behavior for yourself and so that was one thing that I took from it but just also thinking that you know just based off of where I am or where I live I can be exposed to these things different diseases chronic diseases higher than others and we know that now it's our goal as public health professionals to do something about it um I think 
if there's science behind it, we have to push for like something to deal with mm-hmm. um, to incorporate this study with. So, yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think that um, like you said, with the doctors, I feel like well, one okay, it's like a catch twenty two. I feel like you know we sometimes it's like oh the doctors need to do this doctors mm-hmm. need to do that like we put a lot on the doctors and you know we realize that our healthcare system is not perfect and then a lot of times the doctor is only spending like 10 minutes with the patient mm-hmm. so they don't have time to do all of this and then mm-hmm. a lot of times too like a lot of organizations now they have incorporated a lot of these screenings so a lot of social type screenings um into doctors visits and they're doing it because they're going towards more um quality-based medicine, or I think that's what it's called, but basically the doctors are going to be paid based on how many of their patients are getting better, not just how many patients they see. Mm -hmm. So with that shift, they're thinking more so towards, okay, what programs can I refer my patients to? How can I make sure that my patients are taking their medications? Mm -hmm. How can I make sure that they're doing these things? And I think that in a lot, some of those screenings, they are thinking about ACEs. Like, because the first ACE study originated, it was by Kaiser Permanente. And it started out as an obesity study because mm-hmm. they wanted to know why certain patients, they would lose weight, but then they would gain it all back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started out like that. And I think that, you know, since it started in a medical setting, this is obviously medical related into having positive outcomes. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's a matter of one problem I see is that They're pushing towards collecting this data on the patients, but they're not doing anything with the data Mm -hmm. that they're collecting Mm -hmm. because they may be overburdened or they may not hire a data analyst or they may not be able to fully understand how this can help their patients or how to incorporate it. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's one barrier right there. Like they don't have what system is in place. Once you collect this, like once I take an ACE um, study, like once I take the ACE quiz, now what? If I score 10 out of 10 on the ACE quiz, now what? Yeah, now what am I, I doing? doing? Mm-hmm. Am I being like, and this was just, you know, something we took online. Like, I didn't see any resources at the end of the quiz. Granted, we only got one, but still, I didn't like, I feel like, you know, you should have like resources at the end of the quiz because if you're getting people to take something and they're taking it mm-hmm. and they score nine out of 10 or whatever, they score really high. What are they going to do next? Like, are you going to call your doctor? And the doctor's going to be like, um, okay. Like, yeah, what do you want me to do with that? What do you? <laughs> but I'm, I'm not putting it all solely on the physicians because I'm talking about just as far as healthcare. Um, mm-hmm. How can we change those? I think those policies needs to be updated in those healthcare systems. Um, people getting trained on those things. And I understand that, you know, doctors only have so much limited time, but I think that with the quality assurance that they're now um, putting into different um, facilities, that it will help. I think that's mm-hmm. great that they get paid based off of, you know, how the patient is doing. Is this patient keeping up with their diet? I'm not just giving them the materials. I want to know if they're actually putting it to use. And if not, how can I help them? Where's the resources I can, you know, get to them? So I think that's great. I think that's something that um, will definitely see some changes throughout the years. Um, I would Mm -hmm. love to, I I can't wait to see the growth of that um, and reading more into that. So yeah. 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 I was going to ask a question. So 
Do you think that now um, with everything that's going on in the world as far as things like Black Lives Matter, things like, you know, just what's going on political, do you think that that will constitute for our children as adverse childhood experiences? Oh, definitely. I do. Um, I think one thing I found very interesting is that um, it looks like the social service problem or a mental health problem like we discussed in our last episode is a real public health crisis that can be prevented and yet million people are still dying and so when we're talking about racism and stuff people are and I and I, and just tell me if I'm answering this correctly um just if, with our children identifying that and witnessing those things those are like burdens they're gonna live with those things mm-hmm. just thinking about that child that got assaulted by that young lady like he didn't know he he's a child she's 22 years old and i'm i'm referencing the young lady that was at the hotel she lost her phone and she attacked the 15 year old oh yeah 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 just that experience that's traumatic for somebody you know and just mm-hmm. living through that experience i think they they're going to have to deal with a lot and especially with everything being so video footage yeah televised yeah. put it they're reliving it every time they see it. We relive it every time we're seeing it. And their brains mm-hmm. are still developing. So they don't know exactly where they're supposed to be putting their emotions. Like, you know, so those experiences are definitely going to um, affect them in the long run. Is that answering your question? I think that's what you said, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was the question. Yeah, because yeah. I was thinking about that too um, when I was reading. And I was just thinking, like, you know, through research, there's preventable measures that should be implemented um but it's going to take our nation to start enforcing those um qualities and all those policies that are failing us in the health system i mean we live a longer life and peaceful life that's what we want right and so Mm -hmm. why we're not promoting that if we know that living in these um these messed up situations like you know one parent being incarcerated that's an experience that's a traumatic experience so why are we not addressing that like why are we not saying anything about that um because i didn't i I didn't know well i was just saying like i didn't even know about this until now like you know Mm -hmm. as i got into my um my major so it's kind of like wow this 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 is it's, it shows that, you know, half of the things that's happening to me is not really my fault. It's just the yeah. environment that I was living, built into. Yeah. And I think that one big thing that people are starting to study and even like in the research that I did, um, you know, for my dissertation, like one of the factors that I think that we have to think about is resilience to these because mm. it's the concept of, you know, you can grow up in the same home in the same environment with your sibling, but y'all have two different life outcomes. Girl, we talked like, about that before because mm-hmm. we both come from three sibling households and mm-hmm. it's always something like some one person always come out just different and you just sit back and like, we grew up in the same household. We got mm-hmm. the same thing. Well, what made your experiences different than mine? Yeah. And, like, so it's that concept of resilience, like, thinking about, too, like, you know, what friends were you around? Mm -hmm. I think that that plays a part in it, like, your friends and your friends' experiences. So, like, they project that onto you. And then, like, um, yeah, so I I don't know. Everybody handles things differently, but it's just very interesting 
And I think that it does need to be more research to understand why three siblings, four siblings can grow up in the same household, Mm -hmm. but have completely different lives. One can be in and out of jail. You know, the other can be a a doctor. The other can be just whatever, living with their parents. Like, it's just a whole, you know, whole different dynamic. And I think that it definitely needs to be explored further. But I think that it's because it's like, you know, you want to give everybody that resilience Mm -hmm. if you can. But it's like, what's the magic formula? And I don't think there necessarily is a magic magic, formula. But it's just, interesting to see things like that and to know that that contributes to one your overall health outcomes even though we can grow up in the same place like same things but Mm -hmm. we just experience things so differently right and it's i don't know and oh one other thing i wanted to bring up too like Mm -hmm. you know they mentioned on here um parents getting a divorce as an adverse childhood experience Mm -hmm. however they did not mention parents who stay together just for the kids Mm. who are but they arguing every day and it's a toxic relationship and that's being displayed in front of the kids Mm. so i definitely think like that's another adverse childhood experience that you go through because that's gonna affect how you perceive relationships that's gonna affect like if your parents stayed together like but they didn't necessarily like hit each other or it wasn't any domestic violence or anything like that but it was very toxic. It was a terrible relationship. Well, did, did um, one think, of your questions, I don't know if it was just mine, but one of my questions did ask, like, did your parent, um, I think it said stepmom. One of them said stepmom, but one of them said, did any of your parents um, experience verbal abuse during your mm-hmm. childhood experiences and stuff? So, And I think, too, like, Thinking about who's taking these quizzes, mm-hmm. I think you have to define what verbal abuse is. And that's, because, that's yeah, yeah. Because it's a spectrum, right? Because I feel like, I don't know, like, I feel like verbal abuse is very, I feel like it may be on the extreme compared to what somebody else may think it is. Because, yeah. like, Sarah from down the street could think verbal abuse is you saying, get out my face, you know, don't talk to me right now. Right. But for me, I'm like, that's normal. That's what you mean. Right. <laughs> like, all right, I'll leave long for now. Right. But, I'll be but you know, <laughs> yeah, for, but for me, like, verbal abuse is like you're cussing them out. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you know, it's, it's very, but it can be different. You know, it's a spectrum. So I think that the quiz is definitely like depending on what setting you're taking it in mm-hmm. those things need to be defined a little more a bit more and domestic violence needs to be defined too because mm-hmm. i think that not everybody un- can understand a definition of what domestic violence is because they could think in their head oh well he hit her one time but that it was just one time so i don't think that was really domestic and violence. And they're not even thinking like, about verbal abuse too because that's mm-hmm. what that's part of domestic violence i was watching something earlier um i don't know if you've ever seen the show called what would you do but it's like people these actors are put in these situations and they they go to these public places and they put on these scenarios so the scenario i was watching was a teenage girl and a young guy and he was verbally abusive to her and they were trying Mm -hmm. to see the people around would they intervene during that time and um yeah, like people were saying, like some of the people that didn't intervene was like, well, you know, I told her, you know, she didn't seem like she was in like physical harm. But then mm-hmm. some people was like, you don't need nobody talking to you like that. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. so what do you define as abuse? 
Yeah, and I think it just made me think of a story from undergrad Story days. time, story time. Oh, God. <laughs> we just be telling all our little business. And I just be like, you know, what if somebody who I told this story about is listening to this? Shout like, out to y'all. Y'all made it to the podcast. podcast. Boy, y'all made it to the podcast. <laughs> one, so we ain't going to say no names. But, but this happened. So I was in undergrad. I was dating this young man. And uh, we got into, uh, and he was never, like, disclaimer, he was never, like, physically abusive or anything like that. But we got into an argument. um, And I think we were outside of his apartment complex arguing, arguing, arguing. And I was trying to, like, walk away. I think he grabbed my arm or, or something. And, you know, we were just continuously arguing, arguing. So I was super mad at the time. And granted, I'm young, you know, I'm in undergrad. So this girl, like, drives by. And she's like, <laughs> hey, I told you this story before. So this girl, like, drives by and she stops. And she's like, um, are you okay? And he answered for me. He was like, yeah, she fine. And she was like, I didn't ask you. And she was like. And she was like, are you okay? I was like, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And and she was like, do you need a ride somewhere? And I was like, yeah, I do. I literally hopped my behind in the car. Mom, if you listen to this, she seemed nice. <laughs> she seemed nice. But I hopped in the car with her because I was just so mad and angry. But I hopped in the car with her. And I think, you know, that I feel like, you know, she seen that as verbal abuse. She seen it as a situation where she could help. And I feel like a lot of people don't do that. Like, especially for people that they don't know. Granted. Like I said, I was okay. He wasn't yeah. abusing me. But, but yeah, so, like, I hopped in her car, and, like, I was, like, crying because I was so mad. And, like, she was just talking to me. We had a nice little conversation. I don't even know her name or who she is anymore. Yeah. Like, but I just remember she was, like, on her way home. I lived at my apartment was, like, passing by Walmart. I think she had to stop at Walmart to get mm-hmm. something. She was like, you mind if I stop by Walmart? I was like, sure. So I'm just sitting there at Walmart with the girl, walking around. <laughs> <laughs> she dropped me off at the house. Girl. But it just goes to show, like, I feel like, you know, that spectrum of abuse can be different for different people. Because I didn't see it as abuse, but Mm -hmm. she, from an outsider looking in, she seen that as I was in a dangerous situation or it could become dangerous. So could we, could it be safe to say that maybe her experiences Mm -hmm. saw it? Led her to think that Yeah, because she may have experienced that or know someone that experienced that and that kind of led on to her, so... Um, I think that's that's great that she intervened um, mm-hmm. or just even asked because that would get off my conscience because I always think like if I'm in those situations because I was working um, when we were doing our rotations at the health department, I was in the uh, sexual health prevention and they had the green dot program and I know FSU has the green dot program and it's mm-hmm. based off of a bystander intervention um, program like how likely are you to intervene in Maybe you not mm-hmm. verbally say something, but what if you intervene in another way? Would you do so? Yeah. So that goes to, to my next question to you. Does it just start when you're a child? Are these experiences just when you're a child? Or can these adverse experiences, do they talk about it happening in your adulthood? I mean, mm, I don't. So they don't, I feel like, what do they call Do they call them something else when they happen in your adult, after you're 18? I feel like they call them something Yeah, I think else. after 18 is something else. But, but 
Yeah, I think definitely, like, I think, like, once you turn, like, my story was from undergrad, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like those experiences definitely happen, and they can affect your health outcomes, most certainly. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, I think definitely, like, you know, growing up in an abusive household, like, that can one lead to you being being abusive are you being in an abusive relationship and we know that domestic violence is a cycle and some people may look at domestic violence like oh she need to just leave but it's it's not not that easy easy. like it's a cycle and people have studied this and talked to people like it's literally domestic abuse is a cycle and it's it's a psychological effect too because you know depending on who that person is they may not be headstrong because they may never have experienced love and so they Mm -hmm. uh equivalent that or correlate that with love because that's probably their experiences as you know and that's what they um, experienced in their childhood yeah that you know oh that's how dad showed love to mom and then it's another thing too like if you're thinking about adverse child experiences i think that that can be subjective because a negative event for me may not be a negative event for you, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I think that one of the things um, that I had to kind of, like, come to terms with, kind of, was, like, just the way my dad and my mom showed love to us was different. Mm -hmm. And I may have wanted love in one kind of way from my dad, but that's not the way he was used to showing me love. He showed love a different way. He showed love by going to work every day, coming home to us every day. That was what he grew up with. That was what he knew. But my mom was very affectionate. So I'm expecting that affection. I was very affectionate. So I'm expecting that affection from her. So I perceived that when I was younger as a negative experience. And that really brought some trauma to me because, you know, that's he didn't show me love like the way I wanted to be shown love. And it didn't take till I was older to, you know, realize that and really dive into it. Mm-hmm. But I think that it definitely um, affects you and just how you live your life yeah. like and it can be subtle yeah. it can be little things like that you may not think that doesn't affect one person but it affects someone else and i guess that's kind of like how with siblings can grow up yeah and you know we're different people at the end of the day and then i think too that has also to do with the era that person was growing up in maybe they're the first child so the parents are just learning how to be parents and they don't know exactly what to do so by the time mm-hmm. you get to the third sibling which is the baby they have a little bit more support, I feel like sometimes. Yeah. And um they can those babies, we 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 can be, you know, caught up. You're a alive. baby, not we. Oh it's yeah, you, I'm the baby not of the me. family. Um, I was a forgotten middle child. But I feel forgotten like, middle child. And that made me think too, I don't want three kids growing up. I've always mm-hmm. said either I want one, two, or four. Because I don't want a what? middle child. I know it's weird, <laughs> but I grew up in a, a three sibling households so I feel like the middle child does get forgotten because you have someone looking up to you and then you're looking up to someone else and it's just sometimes you can't figure out where you're going because you don't know what Mm -hmm. to do you're you're young you're trying to do that and it's not everybody's situation I'm just speaking off of my experiences of course and so I think that's probably why I don't want to have three kids um (laughs) definitely hoping for two two twins or something in there but don't want to get too far off the topic but I just thought that was interesting and just the how it correlates with our our health um Mm -hmm. those those things and then something um I read maybe think too with mental health 
or mm -hmm. not even mental health. You know, when we were younger, and I don't know if it's your school, but I used to go to a school where I felt like if the child was acting out, they automatically chumped it up to ADHD. Yeah. They try to put them on medication or they put them in those yeah. special needs classes. The ESC classes, yeah. That's traumatic too, I feel yeah. like, because maybe that child isn't acting out. Maybe they're not, they're above their level. Maybe they're they, not being challenged. Maybe yeah. they don't have time at home to play, so this is their time. Mm -hmm. How do we get that into the school system too? Do we start? Um, I think we need to pay our teachers more, teachers. and and they need <laughs> nurses too. Like a lot yeah. of schools oh, don't have yes. nurses anymore. There's no Girl. school nurses. They're either on call. They're none. That's just there because mm -hmm. the automatic. They don't. Thing, yeah, they don't have it. Yeah, they just tell them to call their parents and they go home. They don't have those school nurses anymore. I don't remember. I mean, I went to a private school, so I don't think we could afford a school nurse. Ooh, private school. Girl, semi-private, fam. What's that? <laughs> but no, like yeah. So like, I think um, they, I think the the rule is actually they're supposed to have one nurse per school, mm -hmm. but they don't. But they, where's the money for that? They yeah. don't have a lot of schools don't have the money for that. And I think students need like actual like I feel like our guidance counselor didn't really give us mental health stuff i always thought a guidance counselor was for if i needed to talk about something mm. but that's not what a guidance counselor for it they was just for the guiding you to like get to the next graduate. to get to graduate yeah. but i never i thought that's what they were for but we also had school it was counselors like, too a long time i don't ago. even remember don't us remember having either. a school counselor but you a lot of things like you said the funding it's a problem. Yeah. We have to start. They have. We have to start fighting for our kids and allocate. I mean, fighting to get them some more services within their school because they're they're at school most of the day. Like you, your teachers and... see your child more than you see your child. So I think it's very mm -hmm. important that we get those services into school. So maybe y'all would see those signs of because teachers are overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed and of they're course. underpaid. So they. It's not their fault that they miss over a student that may be having those problems, but we need other services there to help with those growth of those kids. And before you go into it, I was just thinking about that thing. I don't know if you ever heard Dr. Lee say it, but it's the like a, I feel like it's a public health terminology of like, you know, you see a hundred babies in a river, you try to save each baby by grandma one or, you know, you try to go over to see, like, what the heck is going on. So are we going to be the people that's going to be like, hey, where do these babies come from? Are we going to be the people that's saying, like, what the heck is going on? How can we fight for these um, things to be fixed? Yeah. So, yeah. so I think, yeah. So, yeah, what you're saying is, like, we have to figure out the root of the problem, like, where the baby's coming from and how can we stop them from coming and getting in the river versus we can't just take every one single one out of the river because it's going to keep more going to keep coming. Right, and you can't so. just write a prescription and think it's going to be okay. That's not going to yeah. fix the problem, so. Definitely, and I think, like, um, like what you were saying about schools, like, while you were saying that, I was just thinking in my head, like, you know, that's not all schools. That's the schools with the black kids. <laughs> that's the 
poorer schools in a poorer neighborhood. It is. Because, yeah, because, and those are the schools that need these resources the most. Mm -hmm. They need these things. And we're not getting them. Like, I grew up in a rural county, and I think that we lacked a lot of resources, Mm -hmm. like, that we needed. Like, we really needed. Like, you know, and I think you asked the question on one of our episodes, you know, was there like a YMCA or anything? Nah. Mm -mm. You had after school programs, but not everybody was in the after school program. Mm -hmm. So what did you do? You went home after school or you went and hung out with one of your friends at the school if you ain't got nothing to do. That's a risky business. Yeah, most certainly. Most certainly. So, I mean, and I was the type of person I was like. Mom, I feel like my mom wanted me to come straight home from school every day and just be bored. But I was not a type of person that I just want to sit down and just not do anything. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for every after school activity I could. <laughs> I was in band. I was in SGA. I was in National Honor Society. What else I was in? I was in Stride. I was in a few other things, I think, too, to sign up for just so I could stay after school and like hang out with people and mm-hmm. do stuff. Because it was just like, I don't want to be bored. But it's just thinking about how many kids aren't like that. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, I'm going to just go home and, and chill and whatever. Or they, you got to go home to watch your youngest sibling. Oh, yeah. Or, and mama so, don't get home till 9 o'clock. And you got to get home so you can cook for them. Mm-hmm. And because I remember, girl, I'm going to be the only one to give a story time, I guess, today. We <laughs> <laughs> But my mama, uh, I remember, I think I was like sixth, seventh grade, and it was my responsibility to come home and watch my little brother because my older brother, I think he had football practice Mm -hmm. um, because he was in high school. And so I would have to come home and watch my um, younger brother. That particular week, I told my mama I wanted to try for cheerleading. I told her. I hadn't went and got a physical. I was ready. She knew. But then the day of that morning, I was like, well, mom, you know, I'm trying out for cheerleading today after school. So are you going to um, pick me up? Oh, no, you can't try for cheerleading. You got to come home and watch your brother. <gasps> what? What? It- Heartbroken. I was crushed because I was in class practicing with the girls. Like we was trying to pop our legs so oh, we could do wow. split. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, so it was a big deal. And I think, like, you know, and after that, like, after I missed it, she was like, oh, well, you could just do it next year. I didn't even want to do it no more. I was just right. like, no, no. I was over it. I don't even want it no more. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like, you know, sometimes at a certain age, you have more responsibilities than you mm-hmm. technically should have, depending mm-hmm. on how you grew up and where you grew up. Yeah. Um. So I definitely think, like, that goes, too, into adverse childhood experiences like having to grow up before you're ready to grow up Mm -hmm. and not saying that I had to grow up before I was ready to grow up because I was still able to do a lot of things that you know I should be able to do but it was just that one instance where I couldn't do something I really wanted to do because I had responsibilities for this child for her for my younger brother um but I think that 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 definitely plays a role into it too. Those subtle things like that, like because if you think about it, how many other kids have missed out on opportunities because they have family members that they have to take care of. Mm-hmm. They can't do these things. They can't, you know, compete for a lot of things, and you know, it happens. Right. No, that's true. And just even thinking about a child that may came up in a rough childhood, um, they're more likely to drink and smoke or do things that will ruin their health 
But I mean, mm-hmm. that's that that isn't science. That's just bad behavior and it turns out that is exactly where the science comes in that we know now and we understand um how they're exposed to these early adversities but it turns out Mm -hmm. that even if you don't engage in high risk behavior you're still more likely to develop heart disease or cancer so it's just like dang (laughs) um yeah and i was actually listening to um I forgot. Was it a podcast? Another podcast? Anyway, you know, um, California has their first Surgeon General. You know that? Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, and she's a black woman. Her name is Dr. Burke. And um, she came up with this analogy about how the brain and the body stresses responses um, and the govern to fight or flight responses. Have you heard of that situation? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, so... Yeah, because she did a TED Talk. Yeah, she did. She was the black lady who did the TED Talk about ACEs. Yeah. I forgot her name. Yeah, Dr. Burke. And so I like that analogy how she used about the, you know, you're walking in the forest, you see a bear, um, all these signals in your body starts to move, your, you know, your release of stress hormones identify with something else, your heart starts pounding Mm -hmm. kind of thing, and then you're ready to either fight the bear or you're going to run from the bear and so she ends it with like you know that's wonderful if you're in the forest and there's a bear but if you're not what if that's your everyday society what if that's you coming home on the school bus or you know you experiencing gun violence and stuff like that what are your chances of growing up in that same cycle those Mm -hmm. all those all experiences those adversities those things they add up they add up and that's why we say the system failed black people this system wasn't even made for us because of all the things they put in place they took the black man out of the home you have the woman raising the kids on their, her own so she has to work all these jobs just to provide for these kids she doesn't have a babysitter so her the kids have to raise themselves in a sense it's not mm-hmm. her fault you know it's not her fault now she's stressed out now she's on drugs now the kids are left mm-hmm. without a parent. So now all he sees or all she sees is that, you know, either my mom, she's a prostitute and that's how we're going to get money or he's going to sell drugs. It's an ending. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a cycle that we need to end and we can end if we have the right policies in place. Yeah, we can. And I, I think it just takes so much work. Like what you just described, um, the term is allostatic load. So, Mm -hmm. like, basically repeat chronic exposures to different adverse experiences. So, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, in my head, when I think about it, I think about one plus one equals three. Because it's like, Mm -hmm. you have one chronic, one exposure to something, you have another exposure to something, it makes this big reaction. It's a bigger Mm -hmm. reaction than just lining up one by one, right? So, like, I think that it, it has to be, it's a lot of work that needs to be done to just kind of to combat this like and like what you said policies like i think that we need to think about our policies and think about our policies towards the african-american community towards minorities communities and what can we do because honestly the government has done so much to hold us down and Mm -hmm. to keep us down like it we can see it and i think that 
from, you know, at a young age. And I feel like we talked about this before, but like at a young age, growing up, not know that, knowing that Egyptians were black, like thinking they're white, like thinking, like not really knowing black history. Or just our um, history. <laughs> like we don't know Yeah, nothing not about knowing our history. Mm-hmm. Like just knowing we were slaves mm-hmm. and that's where it started. You know, we were taken from Africa and we were slaves. Like that's as far back as I knew, mm-hmm. like back then. Like I didn't know when we talked about Egyptian civilization, we were talking about black people in Africa. Right. Like... Because that's not what my textbook said. And, you know, I seen this. Um... McGraw and Hill. Y'all got it wrong <laughs> last time. Don't get it wrong this time. Because we don't be That meme. I'm going to be in my class. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in my class. I'm be like, let me see this textbook. I can I tell you. Uh, let me see this. <laughs> we live through it. So it I'm was tell not you, this Black Lives Matter is. that took the capital. I'm going to change that right now. <laughs> Listen, and let me, I'm going to read over your paper and I'm going to make sure your paper is right. And if your teacher say something, oh, we're going to have a, we we gonna have a talk. Yeah. I'm going to end up coming to speak to the class. Cause... <laughs> Honestly, tell me what they present, baby. So I'm going to be in the back of the class. Exactly. <laughs> I will be there. And I will ask all the questions. Like we will have some good conversations about this. We're going to have a good conversation. Because um, yeah, it's a reason behind, like, you know, I feel like, you know, the, the government, the world trying to cover up mm-hmm. our history, trying to cover up. It's a reason behind that. And it's a reason behind, like, you know, think about crack cocaine epidemic, like mm-hmm. thinking about that, like, you know, thinking about all these things that have gone into our community, thinking about police brutality, mm-hmm. like the things that we've talked about before that have adversely affect black people. These things just pile on and oh, on and oh, on. Oh, and now we have social media to repeatedly see these things happening to other black people, not just us. And one, I feel like it's kind of like, a okay, somebody else goes through that too. But then it's kind of like, a dang, why do we have to all go through this? Like, this isn't right. And, you know, so it's on one end, it's like we have people who we can relate to and we know we can relate with experiences of like, you know, a police getting behind you and your heart just drop. Mm -hmm. Or like you get nervous, but, and you know you did nothing wrong, but you're just getting nervous and you're just like jittery just because of the climate that we're in, because of the history that we have. Mm -hmm. So like, I think that that like, Having and and that is a stress response. Like yeah. that is a response that changes your your body. Like fight or flight. Like <laughs> yes, that adrenaline. Like that. Like allostatic load. Like that stressor. Mm-hmm. Like it it plays a toll on your body. Yeah. Like biologically, yeah. and it leads to adverse health outcomes when you experience that over and over and over again. Yeah. Like your body's not supposed to go through. That. It doesn't. I mean, granted, it's natural to feel fearful or something like that have a response to the fear that's but what if that happens to you in your everyday life that's a problem and thank god some people never even experience that but you can't say it doesn't exist you can't say that's not a problem and i I think that's what we mean by what is the black agenda when we were trying to hold out our votes and stuff and they were asking like you know biden what is our what's the black agenda like what do you have for us because all the things that has happened and transpired y'all gonna have to fix and biden is one of them he needs to fix some of the problems that he started so Oh, child, that's that's another topic for another day. Oh, it is. <laughs> but it's a problem, and it's an yeah. issue that relates to this as far as, like, you know, as our community gets hindered, mm-hmm. where's where, where is our, our change is going to be? And that also takes a place into we need to start 
voting in a, um, our local elect officials to help us with these. Maybe we can get more mm-hmm. funding. Uh, those superintendents and stuff, like, you know, who are we voting in to get in, to be, like, you know, training up our child children and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's a deep. Yeah. It's deep, honey. And it's deeper than what you think it may be. It's not at yeah. surface level. It's deep that you have to think, like, dang, that's crazy. I had to go through all this. And then you got people mm-hmm. out here that never went through that. And that's a privilege. That's definitely a privilege. Because like even it's, just being black is a stressor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially in the climate we live in today. Yeah. Being black is definitely Today, since since back in the day, I'm sure my dad doesn't even talk to me about like what happened back in that time because I'm sure it's a traumatic experience. Um, I try to get different conversations to go up but you can tell that's a sensitive topic so our parents done lived through these things and my dad lived through segregation and stuff like that and um i was around that time so it's just a lot it's a lot and so just going back to your question i mean your statement earlier about our children and them seeing this in every day and footage and stuff this is not good Mm -hmm. for them they need to start speaking to someone now um because even our children's suicide rates have went up um yeah so those are all stressors that you know happens and those adversities definitely are affected yeah i think like you know bringing it back to what we said the action things Mm -hmm. of things we can do like thinking about school and like what we said about school counselors and more funding towards schools i think definitely teachers need to be paid teachers need to be paid as much as doctors are getting paid honestly because they're molding the minds of our youth like that's a and they gotta not only play teacher they gotta play mental health counselor they gotta play all of these different roles and they're not being paid or appreciated for it. And I think that, one, if we treated being a teacher as, like, high as we treated being a doctor, then we would have more quality teachers, I feel like. Because, you know, and we know some teachers just there because they want a paycheck. Yeah. We definitely have those teachers that are there just because they want a paycheck. And but you also got those teachers that love don't matter mm-hmm. how much the salary is, they they're love. paying for stuff out of their own pocket. Out of their own pocket, like mm-hmm. <laughs> I can appreciate the teachers that has like like paved the way for me. Even when I was an adolescent, I still had those favorite teachers because they stick through that child's mind. Um, mm-hmm. I know, even me, I'm like, what would Miss Warner do during this time? That was one of my mm-hmm. favorite teachers. Like, what would she do? Because she was our English teacher, and she used to get on us about saying words. So I'm like, mm-hmm. did I say this right? What would Miss Warner say? So those mm-hmm. teachers, they paved the way for us, and they they yeah. all they they definitely mold us into the people that we are um, today. But we definitely need to start paying them more. They need to be paid yeah. more. Yeah, I agree. Like that. And then thinking about, you know, one of the things we said, too, like, okay, if I take an ACE quiz online, then what's next? What's next? What should I do after that? Like, should I go talk to a therapist? Should I go to my doctor? What should I do? What diseases that I got? Exactly. Like, what's next after that, I feel like, is definitely a good topic. Like, we've already uncovered that you have four more ACEs. You're like... 
increased, increased risk for chronic diseases like heart disease, high blood pressure, stroke, all of these things. You're more previous, you're predisposition to have those based on your ACE score. So now it's a matter of, okay, what can we do? And I think that that needs to be communicated more to the public. And I feel like a lot of the people that have high ACE scores are black people, mm-hmm. you know? We have the highest um, ACE score. So I think that it's a matter of thinking about how can we communicate this to our people and what can we do about it to stop breaking these cycles, you know? Like, we need to spark more conversation around it. But I like what you said, too, about doctors, because when people are in the healthcare system, it's an opportunity for Mm -hmm. them to be touched in different areas, too, not just by that doctor who may not have time to see them, like... Thinking about the whole system that they have set up from, like, the nurses um, to when they first get in. And they're in the waiting room. Like, nowadays, everybody got iPads. And the doctors are in a lot of the doctors. I'm not going to say all, but a lot of the doctors, they have iPads. And they get a patient an iPad to fill out their information. So, like, what else is on that iPad that they could be doing and filling out and getting resources sent straight to their email? Like, what are some systems we can automate? to do and I think that the work is being done in this area but it's it's a slow battle it's a slow battle what if I don't have health insurance Ooh, girl hmm. well I mean in America we live in a day if you don't have health insurance then oh you gotta pay out of pocket so now all right you go to a free clinic I go to a free clinic I go to like I mean I think um, what is it? The but hospitals, you know, the free like, clinics are not going to do that because they're going to be so swamped with other overwhelmed stuff. and swamped. Yeah, because that's why and they, the data messed up now because they're so swamped and stuff and they can't, you mm-hmm. know, properly collect that data. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I don't know. I just think it's t- it's going to take a collaborative effort, like a multidisciplinary effort. Like we have to think about treating the patient as a whole person Mm -hmm. and not just a part of a person. Like if I'm going to a doctor because my head hurts, like I may have a broken leg too, but I'm just going for my, like, I don't know. I just say that to say, we have to think about the whole person, the holistic approach. And I think that that's one of the things like with like, um, we have team-based care and patient-centered medical homes. Like those are things that are there to try and, bring do that more holistic type of care for people but i think definitely we need to bring in mental health counselors into that because a lot of things are mental problems that we just kind of carry on our backs like bringing in therapy into stuff because a lot of these adverse child experiences we bury them deep down inside and we think we're over them but they come up in like what like thinking about they come up in relationships when you're in a relationship with somebody and it could not only be a romantic relationship but a relationship with your friends you know those negative things come up and then they they come out and you don't even know they're coming out but they come out because you haven't dealt with the issue at hand Mm. so I think it's just a lot that, you know, we have to really push for therapy, push for people talking about their problems and not just sweeping it under the rug. Oh, because mm-hmm. we don't want such such to know our business. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want them to know crazy. we got problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, girl, and don't even get me started on the uncles and aunties that they say they just crazy, but they really have mental health issues. They have like issues. Girl, you ask my family, they be like, "Oh yeah, they got, they got, they got hold to that stuff." What stuff? What's the stuff called? I know you're talking about weed because that ain't gonna do it. 
They got that stuff. They, I, nah, my feeling, they be like, yeah, they fighting demons. I don't even know. They fighting demons over there. Like, so, what? So, so do you just care get them some help. Just get them some help, please. Please can, just get them some help. Like, some help and it's just like accepting and they just sweep it under the rug. Well, that's just how so-and-so is. You know, like, nothing we can do about it. You know, so I think that we definitely have to continue conversations and destigmatize that. I feel like we're going to be the generation yeah, to really do that. Like, because I think that, you know, our older generation, they they're doing the best they could, That's you know, yeah, they did with the what they got. Mm-hmm. Did the best they could with what they got and the hand that they were dealt. Because, you know, a lot of things like racism and things like that, like, you see how it is now. Like, imagine being 50, 60 years ago. And feeling you know, like you had no ago. rights during this time. Yeah, like things like going through segregation, like going through all of that, like just thinking about that, like it's it's a lot. And I think that, like I said, they they did the best they could with what they had and the circumstances at the time. But now we have access to a lot more resources, mm-hmm. um, and black people are making resources for each other. Like black girls need therapy, black girl therapy, and mm-hmm. um, what is is that? What it's called? The podcast, mm-hmm. um, black girl therapy. They got a black men therapy too. Oh, nice um, podcast. I had seen somebody had posted. So I think that there's resources now out there. It's a matter of now like communicating that. You know, this doesn't have to be something that we just keep going through because our parents went through it. Mm-hmm. Um, we can actually stop the cycle right here. Yeah. It can end with us. And it's okay to talk about it. Like, you're not mm-hmm. crazy. Like, the way you're feeling is normal. Some people are more sim- sensitive than others, and that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. it's, the first step is getting yourself together. So you have to get yourself together before you can be with anyone and build a family with anyone. So girls say that mm-hmm. deal with your adverse childhood experiences before you come for us. Right. Deal with it before you come for any young lady. Mm-hmm. We talk to the men right now, but that goes for oh, women yeah, we too. Oh yeah. We like to, but go for women too now. It the women too. The women we be bringing too. some baggage. We bring some toxicity and expect men to be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to just deal mm-hmm. with this craziness. No, sis, go get yourself no. fixed. Heal first. We gotta, yeah, you definitely gotta heal yourself. Like, and, and that goes in regards to like past relationships, family mm-hmm. trauma, like family things trauma. that you've dealt with. Like you have to face that head on because it's going to manifest in other ways in your relationships. And mm. you want to be able to deal with it because at the end of the day, and we were just talking about this, like um, your girlfriend or your boyfriend is not your therapist. Mm-mm. Like they're not trained to handle your problems, baby. Nah. <laughs> So talk to somebody that is trained to handle it. And, you know, maybe you bring your girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever into the conversation. You bring that family member into the conversation with you. Like, that's great. But, like, you have to deal with your problems on your own. You can't expect anyone else to come into your life and fix you. Yeah, and that's why I was telling someone that, too. They were like, you know, we're going to couples therapy and, you know, he hasn't did this and that. And I'm just like, well, have y'all did separate therapy? Because Mm -hmm. maybe there's something within that person or within you that you haven't found yet and separate therapy is needed, you know. Mm -hmm. But you can do it together. That's Please do. Go get there for y'all. Definitely. Be, please, oh, yes. Um, look up Psychology Today. You can also find that there. If you don't have insurance, there are some other ways to um, finance these. Um, 
these programs or these um these doctors to get some type of therapy they're online now mm -hmm. there's other ways to go and get help um they have chat rooms Definitely. now yeah clubhouse be having mental health rooms yeah they have that too it's, and then like i think i was i was gonna say i was listening to one yesterday and there was it was like black men just venting about mm -hmm. some of the things that they're going through. And it was good, too. I was like, they getting deep and emotional. I okay, love so. that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Getting an emotion without bashing. I love that. Because mm -hmm. we oftentimes, we, we, we have these problems and we're quick to point the finger. But we have to say, okay, it's here now. I'm okay with it. Let's address it. And let's move forward to grow. That's all we can do. So that's the take-home message. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that's the take home. This was good. Like I think we, I even though I was the only one that did story time, but I just be telling all <laughs> my sorry, business. Girl. I'm gonna stop. I am. I'm I'm I know you got some stories over there. I mean, we gonna talk. Nah, I know you got some stories. I got over there. But you know, hey, I don't, hey, no, nah, it's <laughs> over now. We done now. We done for the day. Save them for next time. Cause you boy, cause listen, let me Ooh. tell y'all, Miss Taze, she found out that her mama listened to the episode, so she was like, "You want to call that?" <laughs> Shout out to my mom and daddy. No, <laughs> I couldn't think of nothing because, um, yeah, like you said, like um, I, I went through my situation where I felt like, you know, they could have done more. But like you said, like they only had so many tools, like they didn't have yeah. a blueprint. So like yeah. now I feel like my life has I'm not I'm not on drugs. I'm not out here strung out. I'm not in mm -hmm. a bad situation like they raised me well. Now yeah, I got the tools. Definitely. Now it's my time to fix whatever needs to, keep to be it done. going. So, keep it going. Right. So like I think they 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 did the best they could. So it's a, it's up to mm -hmm. us to continue that and use the yeah. things that we've learned along the way to incorporate. And then pass it down to our kids. Now we're going to mm -hmm. be better for our kids. Because we know. Yeah, and we're not going to be perfect. We ain't gonna even going to be perfect. Like, yeah. at all. I already know. Whenever I have a kid, child, it's going to be something. And if she anything or he anything like me, Lord, pray for me, y'all. Pray. <sighs> pray for the children. Pray, pray for the for children. <laughs> okay. Um. Do you have any last um thing you want to say, Miss I don't think I do. I think that this was just so good thinking about ACES, our adverse childhood experiences, realizing that people experience things differently and they affect us differently and knowing that it's okay to get help. There are plenty of things that we, of course, know our government and policy and different things should be doing and we need you guys in those positions to make these changes happen. But I think that at the end of the day, you know, it's up to us to try and, and heal ourselves. But then also thinking about uh, what you were saying earlier with the root of the problem. Uh, we have to figure out the root of the problem. I think we know the root of the problem. So it's a matter of now how are we contributing to fixing that yeah. or helping change that for the next generations to come. And Georgia was blue. So, yeah, <laughs> that's looking up for y'all. But I was just going to say, too, you know, we only touched on some of the observations that they they, they address mm -hmm. because they even talk about, you know, parental to sibling deaths. Those things are traumatic mm -hmm. experiences. So we may not have touched on everything, but there's um, I urge everyone to go out and do some more research on um, ACEs, the adverse childhood experiences, just to see where you fall 
and mm-hmm. take the quiz take the quiz we can link the quiz in the show notes yeah. so you can just take yeah, it that's what the plan is so we'll link it in there everybody take their quiz um if you want to feel free let us know how it turned out you know did you find anything new um mm-hmm. do you want to seek some help we'll we'll try to help y'all with some resources to that as well so yeah well, all right. This was a good one. This was another good episode, guys. We appreciate y'all for tuning back in, our loyal subscribers. We love y'all so much. We just love you. We y'all. really just, we really love y'all. We look at our numbers. We like people listen. To people be listening to us. People listen to us. <laughs> But we, yes. we, we're happy to see the growth. We're we're happy to be getting the word out, and that's the goal. Like we just want to mm-hmm. spread as much knowledge, you know, whatever you may not know. Um, that's what we're here for. We're here to touch on those things that we don't talk about often, and hopefully, y'all can take it back to y'all respectful homes and talk about it with your family, and we can do some soul searching within our own <laughs> homes <laughs> yeah so, thank well, you again all right, y'all. see y'all later bye